Michael Hunter is co-owner of a restaurant in Toronto, Canada called Antla. You may have heard of Michael back in the day, four years ago. He was targeted by vegan activists and then decided to uh, debone a deer haunch in his front window that just went absolutely viral and backfired on the vegan community. I wanted to have Michael on today specifically not to talk about veganism, but rather to talk about the Canadian gun situation to really just give us a deep dive insight into what gun ownership looks like in Canada and how it fits into these whole these, the bill that happened in May 2020 and the amendments that are currently going through uh, the House of Parliament in Canada right now. Enjoy it. It's a great conversation and really gives you some insight into what's happening in Canada. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name, my name is... Is... <laughs> Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. <laughs> Braxton, you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Mm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a, a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. So it's very rare that I spoke, I speak to someone in the morning that's actually drinking coffee in the morning with me. Because when I'm drinking coffee in the morning early, I'm either speaking to South Africa or Zambia, or I've got a United Kingdom podcast. <laughs> but this time it's the East Coast in Canada. Yeah, man. Your, um, your beard isn't as gray as mine this morning, Mike. <laughs> well, I don't know how old you <laughs> I'm 44. Well, that's that's why. <laughs> Damn. Jeez, uh, we should just end the podcast right now. <laughs> I'm uh I'm oh there we are. I, I lost your video. I'm uh I'm 38. And uh kid in the background, is this first kid, second kid? Uh third kid. Third kid. Jeez, I knew you were a better man than I was, Michael Hunter. <laughs> The um, how's everything in uh, in 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 Canada today? Um, uh, like in, in my world, it's okay. You know, we're uh, Christmas season. The restaurant's busy. Um, you know, things are uh, things are trucking along. We're we're trying to survive in this uh, this inflationary world. The uh, all of our costs are kind of going through the roof, and we're trying to balance that at the restaurant, but. Sure, sure. Well, Michael Hunter, welcome to the Blood Origins podcast, the first time, probably not the last time that you're on the podcast. Um, Thank you. Will you introduce yourself to folks, uh, those that may not know you, maybe sure. sort of what you were famous for when you, you broke onto the scene? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, my name is Michael Hunter. I'm a, I'm a professional chef uh, and restaurant owner. Um, I co-own a restaurant with uh, with a friend and and one business partner, um, 
Jody Shapiro at uh, at Antler in Toronto. Um, and then uh, the theme of the restaurant is, uh, you know, wild Canadian uh, cuisine. Uh, so, you know, what I like to think is, you know, it, what, what grows in the wild in Canada. So there's uh, deer, you know, duck, rabbit, wild boar, elk, moose, you know, things like that. Um, but we also, you know, want to highlight wild fish. Um, you know, we have the Great Lakes, uh, the Arctic Ocean, Atlantic Ocean, the Pacific Ocean. So there's tons of fish and seafood uh, that we want to, that we want to focus on. And, um, and, uh, yeah, it's just our little home. We're 45 seats in, uh, in, in close to downtown Toronto. Um, and I think it's probably four years now, uh, ago, we've been open for seven years. Um, and, uh, four years ago we were targeted by vegan activists that, uh, protested our restaurant once a week for 11 months. And, uh, <laughs> and after about three months, I think I lost it and uh, decided it was time <laughs> to sort of fight back, if you will. And uh, we get our deer delivered whole once a month um, and we break it down in the basement. So um, we had just gotten a delivery. So I took a back leg, put it in the window and basically, you know, deboned this entire back haunch of venison in front of probably 10 or 15 protesters that had signs and megaphones and, um, you know, they recorded the whole thing and put it online. Well, it completely went viral and backfired and blew up in their face. <laughs> and then it was just, you know, an ongoing, uh, you know, battle for the next eight months every week. So how did they decide just to, and if, and if anybody is interested, uh, you were on Joe Rogan back in the day and, gave the whole story and spiel so it's not what we're going to talk about today but you guys can check it out on joe and uh, i really enjoyed that podcast i think i've actually listened to it a couple of times <laughs> yeah it was uh so they targeted us because uh that's what they do they have an activist group they target um slaughterhouses and farms and things like that um and a cyclist uh was in that group rode by our restaurant and noticed our chalkboard sign that said venison is the new kale. And, uh, they were upset that, you know, we were promoting meat, uh, you know, that it would be as healthy as their beloved kale and, uh, decided to bring their group to us. Um, and the funny thing was we were alerted by a security company that was already monitoring them because of, they were attacking their store. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was actually, we kind of knew they were coming, but didn't really know, you know, to the extent of what was going to happen. Um, and just how kind of crazy these people were, they were not interested in having an intellectual dialogue with us. They really just wanted to try and cancel us and smear us. And, um, you know, they would take pictures of us setting up at, you know, five minutes to five before we opened where the restaurant was empty. And then they would post it at seven o'clock and say, our protests are working, the restaurant and, and uh, bizarre, uh, you know, the things they were doing, um, uh, you know, taking our family photos and putting them online and trying to get people to come after my family. It was, uh, it was pretty crazy. Mm. What, what made them stop? Like all of it, did they just all of a sudden give up? Someone, there was a few people that we actually were able to get uh, a restraining order mm. on because of what they were doing and saying online. Um, and I think, you know, the publicity, we just kept getting busier. So, mm -hmm. it, it, <laughs> you know, it was backfire. 
Um, and I think they just decided to focus their efforts somewhere else. But um, the key thing, though, was was interesting. We were getting um, members of you know the vegan community that would come in for dinner because you know I've always felt this. It's everyone is welcome in our home. You know whether. Right. You are kosher or halal or vegan, you know, whatever your diet, you know, allergies, whatever your dietary restrictions are, uh, you know, you're welcome in our home. So um, it was quite interesting that we would actually get, you know, vegan and vegetarian customers coming in because they said they heard about what these people were doing and they didn't represent them and they wanted to support. That's awesome. We would make them a wild mushroom risotto or something. (laughs) Um, But... uh, yeah, so it was just a, a very interesting sort of time in our business life. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's awesome when people from the, you know, I think that people get a, a almost skewed viewpoint of, and, and this obviously is germane to what we, what we want to talk about, that there's a skewed viewpoint on these sort of radical extremes, right? I, I just finished reading this book by, gosh, my my old brain is, is losing me. I think it's Chris Elbear or something like that, which was Beyond the Social Media Prison was the was the book. That's and a cool name. It was how this, and I didn't quite agree with the way that they did it, but they said, well, is there a way to bring people to the middle in social media? And they yeah. took extremes from both sides and they exposed them. Unfortunately, they exposed them to the extreme views of every on either side. And yeah. it made them more polarized, which I was like, well, Duh. Of course, it's going to make you more polarized if you're hearing extreme views. But if you heard uh, moderate views from both sides, I promised, I reckon they would come to a general consensus in the middle. And I think that there's a lot of moderates out there in the vegan space and in the hunting space that yeah. are becoming to, oh, their voices are becoming louder in the in the screaming matches that are the extreme left and the extreme right. Yeah. 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 Funny, and it's 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 almost kind of sad when there's the moderate voices in the hunting community. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll get into you know why we're having this conversation today with our new uh, sort of laws that are being uh, being pushed upon us. Um, but there's there was a, a gentleman from Ducks Unlimited, or said he was from Ducks Unlimited, uh, that uh, he was a chair of you know some chapter in uh, a nearby town that uh, actually agrees with these new laws that uh, are, are coming down down at us. Um, he knows that yeah. he'll lose his shotgun, right? When if... Well, that's the thing. He, he, he thinks that, uh, you know, everyone... You know, or you he's need... an over-and-under kind of guy, single-shot classic yeah. duck hunter. <laughs> you don't need auto uh, anything. So, uh, yeah. But it's, it's a shame. Let me ask this before we dive in. I'm interested, in Canada, you can... You can serve wild game, no problems. There's no like regulations no, associated with it. It has to be farmed. Oh, so, okay. Uh, yeah, so our deer is actually like a, a red stag, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. local farm. Um, and the interesting though about the game animals is uh, I've really found that they're smaller family-run farms. Um, you know, they don't have the same standardization or the, um, you know, quotas um, that, you know, a chicken farmer would have to buy a quota or buy someone else's quota that no longer wants to farm. Um, and then they have like a set number of chickens they have to raise every year and come under these certain standards and regulations for, you know, venison. Anyone can open a, 
venison farm and they don't there's no rules of how many you can keep or mm. how to raise and um so it's interesting i get to you know get to know the farmer um you know i can visit their farm i can um you know talk to them about their 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 feed that the animals eat and um you know things like that so um it's really been interesting um you know only selling game i get to meet all these farmers and um you know people in the community which uh is i think important but also uh, really interesting yeah that's awesome that's awesome well i wanted to uh number one i should have thanked you a lot earlier in this podcast but thank you um you're the one who sent me the reel of steven spielberg uh, not steven spielberg uh howard stern yeah. saying to quentin tarantino hey what you know what did you and spielberg get up to and you know hey we funnily enough Sp spielberg invited me to go duck hunting and it was me yeah. and <laughs> some other big creative director and some other and you guys are going to be in competition for the next 10 years so you might as well go and hang out and get to know each other and what better way to hang out and get to know each other but in a duck blind yeah yeah i thought that was uh was pretty neat um you know i listened to stern in the car uh you know my truck came with serious radio um and yeah i was i was kind of blown away you know like who would have thought that uh the hollywood elites are uh are uh you know breaking bread and uh shooting ducks together i thought that was uh was pretty cool yeah, and it was just so casual the way that they talked about it it was just like yeah, yeah, whatever. There was no like controversy around it. It was just like, yeah, we oh. did this and we had a good time. And I've never done duck yeah. hunted before. And yeah. yeah, he didn't say it was great, but he didn't have to because he, the way that he was talking about it, it sounded like they had a great time. Yeah, and I thought that was actually interesting because um, uh, I think Stern himself is actually vegetarian. Uh, I don't think he's quite maybe vegan, but he actually talks a lot about being vegetarian and, and how you know he used to eat meat and now he doesn't and. Um, you know, I've actually heard of, he, I, I think he's pretty anti-hunting, so I'm surprised that he kind of kept his mouth shut. Um, but, uh, yeah, I turned the channel and yeah, he starts talking about that crap, but, um, yeah, I just, I, I just don't think, uh, you know, he isn't very knowledgeable, uh, knowledgeable about hunting or, mm. or, or dollars go towards conservation or that we care about conservation. I, I don't think, I think he's pretty closed uh, to even have an open discussion about it. But, uh, yeah, I found that very interesting that he just let Tarantino, uh, you know, talk about it so casually. Yeah, I think those are, you know, if I had my if I had my wish list in terms of, like, how do we reach people with message, it would be, one, obviously get on Rogan, two, get on, like, Howard Stern and just have, like, an open, Howard, ask me anything you want about hunting. Yeah. And let's just have it. Open dialogue back and forth bang it out nothing's yeah. off limits you know so canada right now we just posted a video um that is is undergoing a little bit of change when it comes to not a little bit quite a substantial change when it comes to yeah. gun rights and this has been going on since freaking may of 2020 right in may 2020 the original bill gets passed that is yeah. Assault style weapons are going to get removed off the streets of Canada. Uh, Trudeau's famously quoted by saying, You don't need an assault style weapon to kill a deer. Uh, sort yeah. of indicating that, yes, we're not really going after your hunting rifles. And the whole chorus from the hunting community saying, Don't do it because we need them to hunt, hunt deer is, is sort of doesn't, yeah. doesn't fit with the narrative here. Um, so let's just let's go just, ahead, Mike. 
yeah, I was just gonna just stop you there. Sorry to interrupt, but so as Canadians, we don't have we don't have gun rights. <laughs> uh, we don't have a Second Amendment, um, and it's it's quite clear from a political uh, and government stance that it's a privilege and not a right. So uh, you know, right off the bat, we're um, you know not as fortunate as our American counterparts. Mm-hmm. You know, as in, even in terms of property rights, like we're not, uh, even though we already own them, uh, and we own them legally, um, they can be taken away really at any time, uh, by the government. Do you, do you see it as a privilege? Uh, no, (laughs) I don't, uh, you know, I see it as a right, you know, I need to feed my family. Um, and I, I, we don't buy meat at home. Um, I have three freezers that are full of wild game. Um, I, I choose to eat a wild diet. I feel that, um, you know, I don't particularly want to eat animals that have come in contact with antibiotics or hormones or, you know, who knows, uh, you know, what people can, can give animals. But, um, yeah, I just, I personally, I think that, uh, you know, animals have a better life in the wild. Um, they eat a more natural, healthy diet and that's how I want to eat. So for me, um, you know, a rifle is really the best tool for the job. I really, you know, I appreciate bow hunting. I like bow hunting. I have, you know, a couple different styles of bows. Um, but, uh, you know, if, if there's a rifle season open, I'll prefer to use my rifle. <laughs> well, bow hunting is not the most efficient way to put meat in no. the freezer. Let's just say no. that. <laughs> and, it, it, you know, in an ethics standpoint, you know, I'll probably take flack for this comment, but uh, I think rifle hunting is just far more ethical. Um, you know, oh, I've shot, Mike, you've just like I, opened up a massive can of worm there, man. Come on, <laughs> come on. That's but a personal you, preference scenario. It's not ethics. I, come on. But uh, you know, but I, you know, how many times have you shot an animal with an arrow and it falls over and dies immediately? Never. It doesn't happen. So you know, that's why I prefer using a rifle so let me ask this you i want to really dig in here because this is it is i always love these sort of fascinating type hard-hitting discussions when you say you shoot it with a bow and arrow and the animal does it it runs every time are you what what about that it sort of questions your ethics that it's not dead immediately that it's not and you know a lot sometimes with a rifle it will run but um yeah i've heart shot deer lung shot deer i've you know all kinds of shots with a bow. Um, and it, the fact that it runs 30 to 50 yards, even with a hole in its heart, uh, it sucks to me. You know, it just, that that would be, and I, I know they're running on adrenaline half the time, mm-hmm. but I think, I think that there, you know, there is a little bit of suffering in there uh, with a bow. And, and like I said, I, I respect archery. I have, archery <laughs> equipment at home i still go bow hunting where i grew up hunting there's no gun season for deer so yeah yeah i'm going to be sitting in a tree stand this week with my bow so <laughs> but, uh, I it's prefer, just a preference thing it's a preference thing i prefer a rifle you know the first time i shot a deer with a rifle it fell over and died and it's where it was standing and i was just kind of blown away like i was mm-hmm. wow you know mm-hmm. um i don't have to go look for this thing um and yeah, I didn't. I didn't start uh, hunting with a rifle uh, until my mid twenties. So, like I said, with the town where I grew up, because the farms are so close together, 
um, there's no gun season for deer. So, um, which, and it's kind of bizarre because you can use, uh, you know, anything lower than a 300, um, you know, you can use a 270 to shoot coyotes, uh, if you wanted. But there's um, no deer season with a rifle. Deer, <laughs> it's kind of bizarre, but, um, yeah. So anyway, I, I, I grew up archery hunting and I kind of did it backwards. You know, a lot of people start gun hunting and then as they get older, they want more of a challenge and they want to go to archery. So. Mm, mm. No, the whole reason I brought it up is we've, I've been embroiled in a potential bow hunting ban in South Australia. Oh, and really? the arguments that they make there is that bow hunting is quote unquote unethical yeah. and that it causes undue suffering on animals. And one of the things that come out of this advocating for that (laughs) no no what's interesting is one of the one of the pieces of science that have come that has come out of it is the whole sort of mechanical engineering and broadhead architecture and what it does uh from a blood loss perspective right and someone like you in the chef space would would really be able to understand the concept because how often have you cut yourself with a very 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 sharp knife yeah. Oh, all the time. <laughs> is it painful when you cut yourself immediately? I, yeah, I think the pain is afterwards. Yeah. Mm. And yeah. so that's the idea. It's like these these hyper hyper sharp architectured broadheads that are meant to lacerate, create deep lacerations. Yeah. That 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 initial laceration that causes massive gut, uh, blood loss is really not painful at all. Especially if you look in the human, if you look in the human science um, yeah. example space, sure there may be some pain afterwards, but yeah. it's an interesting thing because it's it's all about hypovolemic shock, right? It's losing that yeah. thirty to thirty five percent blood loss and then losing uncon- being going unconscious essentially. Yeah. Interesting. You learn something. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I you know I, I have to di- I dig into these kinds of things <laughs> like all the time, and I've been questioning the thing. The whole idea of ethics, mm-hmm. that term, like I've been smashed across the head so many times because I've been, I use it all the time. And it's like, no, you're not, it's it's actually not an ethical, in your mind, actually, it may be because ethics is tied to welfare, right? It's tied to this idea of, of pain and suffering, specifically in this example of an animal. But when it comes to like the actual action, whether it's a long range rifle, a 270 or a bow, when someone says one of the one of the three is unethical, it's, it's really not. It's just because of, it's just a personal preference thing to right. the delivery of the shot that does what it needs to do. Yeah. Oh, and sure, like there's people that wound animals all the time with with uh, with rifles and shotguns because they don't go to the range. You know, <laughs> like there's it's it's really you know like you said it's it's my preference, um, but. Uh, yeah, it's that's its own its own discussion <laughs> in itself. So, let me ask this question: You, as when you're a gun owner in in Canada, how many guns? Like, can you just go down to the store and buy a gun? Like, what's the process in Canada for those that don't even know yeah. it? No, that's a great question. So, um, uh, we have to. I forget. You know these the the laws that came into effect that you actually need a license to buy a firearm. I believe were in the eighties. Um, I'm not I'm not entirely well versed on that, but you know before the eighties, it might have been the seventies. You know you could own military full auto whatever. You could go to the store and buy guns. Um, you know it was similar 
to the States. Um, you know, sometime around when I was born, uh, a, a sort of graduated licensing system was put into place. And, um, and, and it was treated more like a privilege and not a right. Um, now, uh, to, to, to acquire a firearm in Canada, you have to take uh, a firearms course. Um, the material is provided by the RCMP, which is our, you know, federal, I guess you would call it like the FBI, I guess, federal uh, police force. Um, and uh, that might be a bad comparison, but yeah, anyway, it's our uh, Royal Canadian Mounted Police is what the RCMP stands for. Um, and it's our federal police. Um, so that that material is provided by the, the RCMP um, and everyone has to take this course if you want to obtain in Canada. Um, it's a written exam uh, followed by a practical exam. Um, and, uh, you know, my wife and daughter have done it recently. Is your practical exam tied to the caliber that you're interested in? Nope. Nope. It's, it's just a general. But I should, I should also tell you there's two types of courses. There's uh, what's called non-restricted, uh, which is your long guns. So anything that is uh, at least 18.5 uh, centimeters in barrel length. Okay. Uh, 18 and a half inches in barrel length um, and above. So most rifles fall into that category uh, and shotguns. Um, it's 18 and a half inches. Yeah, 18 and a half inches makes sense. So uh, uh, so that's pretty, pretty well any hunting rifle or shotgun mm -hmm. is, is under that category. Um, restricted class uh, are handguns and it used to be, uh, you know, AR, AR-15s were in that category. Um, the, the really funny thing is that there was all kinds of rifles that were 18 and a half inch barrels that had the same semi-auto action uh, and had the exact same 223-556 caliber uh, that you could hunt with uh, that was non-restricted. So it's it's completely bizarre system, but, uh, you know, AR-15s are scary, so they put those in the restricted class. Um, restricted class is its own separate course, its own separate licensing system. Um, and those firearms were only allowed to shoot at an approved licensed gun range. So, uh, you know, an AR-15 owner and a handgun owner cannot shoot pop cans on their, you know, range on their farm. Okay. Um, you know, that, that, that's just the way our, our licensing works. The exam uh, or the, the application um, has questions uh wanting to provide your spouse's name and phone number um, or your ex-wife's name and phone number. Um, you know, character references, a couple character references. And then there's a, a, like a three month or 40, I think it's actually, a, it's supposed to be a 45 day waiting period. Uh, but most licenses take about eight months to process. Yeah. Uh, my wife, I think was nine months before she got hers back. Um, so that's probably, if you want to get a, a firearm, it takes you, you know, almost a year uh, to get a license. And then from there, you can actually go to the store, uh, you know, present your license. And it's called a PAL. So it's your position and acquisition license. Um, and you need that license to buy firearms or ammunition. And you can uh, buy unlimited then rifles and shotguns? It's, it's unlimited, but there is some stipulation in the... Um, in the licensing that says, you know, for, uh, an a, re a reasonable amount. So, 
you know, if you have 10,000 rounds of ammunition, uh, I'm sure the government would say that's not a reasonable amount. Sure. Uh, you know, you were a firearms instructor or, uh, you know, uh, uh, a target shooter in competitions, you know, they might say, okay, well, maybe, you know, a couple thousand rounds is an acceptable amount. Um, but I think, you know, at some point, if you would maybe have to prove an argument, if you had that sort of, um, you know, uh, amount of ammunition in your house. So there is, you know, there is a gray area in terms of the licensing of what that states. Um, uh, so yeah, so March or sorry, May 2020, um, uh, the government brought in new laws banning all AR-15s uh, and some variants, and um, and a lot of the similarities between some semi-auto uh, actions that were out there um, got included in the ban, as well as some semi-auto uh, shotguns that look like AR-15s. So there's a okay. A Daria, I believe, Turkish shotgun. I forget the model because I, I didn't own one, but friends of mine did. Um, that was captured in the ban, and it's like a box-fed magazine shotgun. You gotcha. Know, like gotcha. This being included. Um, so what happened to those guys? Did they lose their guns right away? What happened? We still. So um, you know, I was in the process of building an AR-15, so all these parts I have um, are sitting in a gun safe. Mm. So. Uh, and that's nothing legally are, you know, there's all kinds of rules around storage. So, um, shotguns have to be stored, uh, locked, um, and restricted have to be, uh, locked, uh, in a storage, you know, vault of some kind and then trigger locked on top of that. Um, and then ammunition has to be kept separate. So you're not allowed to keep, um, uh, ammunition, you know, loaded or in, in the, in the, in the, in the safe, um, with your firearms. Um, and then there's transportation laws. So if you're transporting your handgun to say, go to the range, it actually has to be trigger locked in a locked case. Um, so that's why, you know, we're so frustrated when there's people running around with handguns in their pockets on mm -hmm. the street. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they, they get caught and then they're out on bail three days later. Um, you know, and that's quite often the case in Toronto where I live. Um, you know, people are being picked up with multiple firearm related charges and, uh, you know, they get let out and back on the street within days. So, mm -hmm. frustrating. did anyone in your circles, you know, after May 2020 and this ban, did they have to hand in their guns or did they have yeah. to, nothing? nothing. We're just not allowed to use them at this oh, okay. point. Okay. Uh, they said there was going to be, uh, you know, information coming of what we're, you know, of a, of a buyback program um, uh, or compensation, um, you know, and if you wanted to keep them, you had to render them inoperable. So, you know, welding the bolt in place or doing something that, or, you know, obstructing the barrel. I'm not exactly sure what that would entail, mm -hmm. but... Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to have to render them inoperable um, at some point or, or, or turn them in, you know, so I'm not mm -hmm. exactly what's coming. But that that happened May 2020. And it was uh, it was in response to. Um, Wasn't that a terrible shooting or something like that? Shooting in, uh, I believe it was Nova Scotia uh, on the East Coast. Uh, some guy went crazy um, and uh, actually 
I don't know all the details, but he actually shot a police officer and then stole her AR out of the trunk of a car and then started shooting people. So, um, or shooting other officers, I believe nine, I, you know, nine people were killed and 13 injured or something along those, uh, which, you know, terrible tragedy. Um, but I think the response to that was unwarranted given the fact that he was using the police officer's firearm. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, we're all punished because of the actions of, uh, you know, mentally unstable individual. Mm -hmm. So this year, um, that original bill C-71 gets upgraded to include now handguns, right? That was the first upgrade, right? Yeah. Uh, handguns, they banned the sale and transfer of handguns. So, um, as a, as a restricted gun owner, there's even more laws about uh, buying and transferring them. Um, you know, when I move uh, residences, I have to submit a transfer request to the government, uh, to the RCMP, um, that I'm moving and provide them my new address so that those pistols that are registered to me are now registered to my new address. And they actually will email me uh, an authorization to transport that I have to print off and bring with me in case I get stopped by police. I can actually present a transfer slip. Oh, my slip. God. It's yeah. like you guys live in a country that has roadblocks. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's, it's quite bizarre. Uh, also, as a, as a licensed gun owner, um, your name is run through a database every day, an auto-generated database, um, checking that I am uh, not, uh, that I haven't been charged with anything uh, every 24 hours. So say I, you know, was in a restaurant or uh, a bar and got into a fight and then got an assault charge or something like that, then it would pop up and actually the police would come to my home and and take away my firearms. Wowza. Wowza. So the handgun ban, did that get, did that get sealed and delivered or is that something that is still being debated? Um, it's not being, so that was, I believe it was put through like an order in council. Um, you know, I, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not fully aware of, of, yeah. uh, everything going on because it's, I just feel, I feel rather helpless. Right yeah, now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty vocal online on my Twitter about it. Um, you know, a little bit on my Instagram, um, but, uh, I, you know, I, I really feel, uh, helpless at the moment. Um, you know, I, I am a member of some of the lobby groups, uh, you know, and donate, uh, to some of these, uh, you know, activist firearms rights groups, um, that are, you know, trying to protect us. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's, I don't think everything is completely finalized. Um, and uh, we're really hoping that uh, you know that the government uh, changes hands soon because the opposition is uh, saying they want to focus on you know criminals um, and the justice system and you know trying to figure out the problems that we have as opposed to just going after the licensed individuals because that's what they're really focusing on. They're focusing mm-hmm. on um, that are statistically not the problem. Um, you know, the police officers and the the people in the courts and the justice system, uh, you know, are telling the media and telling their story that, you know, it's not the licensed, uh, hunters and sports shooters that are going through the system. It's people that don't have licenses that are buying guns on the street. Um, you know, in the high nineties percentages, um, that are the problem. So, um, 
you know, statistically, it's not fair that they're coming after, you know, people like me uh, to try and solve these gun violence issues. And so the next step has been this the C-21, which is the amendment that they decided to put through, which is now they want to add 519 new guns yep. that have magazines, I think it's yep. over five rounds. Yeah. And it so pretty it, much includes it, it, everything, right? So it was semi-automatic centerfire ammunition uh, actions. So... Um, that is now catching um, the uh, the variants. Remember, I said before that. Yep, yep. You know, okay, so say you had an AR-15, you lost that. Then you could there was like non-restricted versions that people had purposely made to hunt with. So mm. you know, a, a rifle for uh, that I uh, that I like to take coyote hunting. Uh, that's a semi-auto two-two-three. That is now uh, in the C-21 bill amendments. Um, caught in that so they're they're now trying to take any semi-auto centerfire action um as including well semi-automatic shotguns including semi-automatic i think it is actually box magazine fed shotguns so um you know i i don't know the the, the names and but i i believe you know i i saw on the list of benelli super eagle um uh you know variants and things like that mm -hmm. that had box, um caught in that um, you know, the Ruger, mini Ruger, uh, I forget the model, but yeah, the little two, two LR that you have under the tree for the kid for Christmas that has the little 10 round little yeah, drum. drum magazine. That's now illegal. Um, I believe that like the Ruger mini ranch rifle that was two, two, three, that's in there. Um, you know, Remington model 7,400, I think. So now they're, they're catching all these, you know, hunting rifles that happen to be semi-auto um, in that. And, uh, you know, thankfully now there's some, some real sort of um, uh, opposition to this. How you know, awesome is that, though? How awesome is it that these people, not these people, that's the, a very, that there are people yeah. from both sides of the aisle, including non-hunters, yeah, I what you know. I think it was you that posted that picture of the of the the video of the sort of members of parliament debating, and the first guy that stood up is a is a French guy. I think he's from Ontario, speaking French, saying, "I'm not a hunter, but I really love a deer burger." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and just like everyone from all across the aisles, all the different national, all the different parties that you have, all saying, "No, this isn't right." Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, you know, I, it's a little little late, <laughs> but um, do you think it's a little late? I do. You know, I think that I do you, think that, you don't think the amendments, the, the the push right now to like to squash, quell the amendments is actually at the right time. Um, you know, I, I think it is, but I, I think I, you know, I think that two years ago, uh, you know, when they first started introducing this AR stuff, is sure, sure. And it's, it's, you know, anything can be used as a weapon if you want it to be, you know, and going to, you know, make bombs, construct their own firearms, like there's all kinds of ways uh, people can get around this. Um, you know, statistically, they're just going after the wrong people, the people that follow the laws that, that put in all this work, you know, it's not easy to get a gun license. It's really mm -hmm. not, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, you have to be an upstanding person in society to keep it. So, you know, why they're, they're going after us because it's easy. 
you know, because the government says, oh, we're going to ban guns to a non-licensed uh, individual. That sounds great because they don't know what goes into getting a gun license or keeping a gun license. So, you know, if you actually, if, and, and the problem is that people that don't like guns, they think that sounds good and they don't think anyone needs to have a gun in the first place. So they don't even want to have the discussion, which is mm-hmm. unfortunate because it's affecting, uh, you know, millions of Canadians. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know, I'm not versed in all the statistics out there, but uh, I believe there's over 2 million licensed gun owners in the country. Um, that actually might be a lot higher. That might, you know, I'm not exactly, that might, that might be just the restricted numbers, but it's, you know, there's millions of Canadians with gun licenses. So, um, you know, and then there's millions of Canadians that are Indigenous that use guns to sustain themselves, you know. So it's... Um, it's, I love uh, how the idea of these big caliber rifles, though, I think they were banned in 2020. Yeah, I watched the an 10, interview 000. of a guy. Yeah, 10,000 joules. You're not allowed an, a rifle that has more than 10. I was like, does that really matter? Like, yeah. a bullet is a bullet. If, you, if yeah. you're going off the assault style, you know, semi-automatic, yeah. automatic, I get it. But, you know, a single yeah. bolt action 416 Rigby or 458 lot. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So now there's, you know, family heirlooms that are being banned, you know, <laughs> like <clears throat> there's a lot of antique rifles that are over 10,000 joules that, um, you know, someone's grandfather may have had or someone's uncle may have had, you know, uh, like to go big game hunting that are that now they cannot be passed down, you know, um, uh, you know, the handguns now. So, you know, when I die, if these laws are in effect or whatever, I can't pass these to my my children, you know, what happens to them? So, yeah. No. Well, look, I hope that, and then, you know, last but not least, I will say this because I've said it multiple times. I think you have too, but freaking carry price. Yeah. Like, yeah, I didn't understand big. how big, like, I didn't know the guy from Bar Soap. I actually did not. And my, my only connection to carry price is this, is when I was a, a young, young PhD student in Mississippi, I had a roommate who was from Spokane, Washington. And he said, "Look, we're going to go up to Nashville, Tennessee, and we're going to watch an NF- We're going to watch an, NF- an NHL, a National Hockey League game, and it's the Nashville Predators against the Montreal Canadiens." Yeah. And he was a huge Canadiens fan. I was like, "All right, well, that sounds like a cool team. They've got a cool C logo. I'm, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm good with that." And uh, that was my only exposure to the NHL. And then, lo and behold, this guy who's like is sort of akin to a national treasure for you know. He says something, and the dude hasn't posted anything since. It is yeah. still stuck there, number one post. Yeah. And he got a response from the prime minister. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. influence. It's, it definitely. And that was, I think that was huge. You know, it definitely uh, was inspirational to me, for sure. Um, because I get flack you know from my spouse my business partner um you know i in some of my uh you know i I work with some uh um culinary companies for sponsorship on my social media you know i'm not supposed to get political in in my work uh online and it's uh uh you know i i try and you know 
not cross the line, um, but I think there needs to be a lot of education around uh, firearms in our country because there's a lot of people that don't even know what our laws are. Um, you know, and, and, and like I said earlier, they think a gun ban, ban sounds good. Mm-hmm. Um, if you actually look at the laws, you know, people are already banned from having guns unless they go through these licensing processes, which right. the people that are committing these crimes haven't done in the first place. So, well, it's a miseducation, right? As you, as, as you're alluding to, it's this, um, people don't know the rigors yeah. that you have to go through just to be a legal licensee yeah unbelievable unbelievable and that's the thing here i think it's i i came from a society in south africa that started where america dare i say where america is migrated to where canada is right now in the span of me being there right I, i only could it was so restrictive that i had a license to the gun and the caliber Right. And so when yeah. I walked into the gun shop to buy ammunition, I had to buy, I was only allowed to buy that caliber ammunition. Yeah. So, and then it got restrictive even more. Like you had to do proficiency tests every year. You had to license fees every year. Gun yeah. safes in your house need to be inspected by the police, you know, yeah. all sorts of stuff. So legal gun ownership just started getting close, you know, closed and closed and closed. And people were like, screw this, man. Um, yeah. So... And, you know, probably didn't do much in the way of crime. <laughs> oh, no, no, absolutely not. Like, the, obviously, crime is rife in South Africa, right? And again, it, it is the idea that targeting legal gun owners is not the solution here. All it is yeah. is a political strategy to yeah. appease the lobby that you're trying to appease in exactly. the story. Yeah. Well, dude, I know um, you, you've got, is Antler open tonight? We are, yeah, we're very busy. <laughs> what's, what's like, what's the special tonight? Um, you know, we have, a, we have a couple of interesting things going on right now. One of them, um, uh, for food specials, we've got, um, uh, it's called Nochino. So it's actually, it's actually a, a, a black walnut liqueur that we made in-house. Um, we, we made it using vodka, but, um, I foraged these black walnuts, um, from, uh, some neighbor's trees in their backyard, but, uh, you actually, Do they know that in. you foraged the black walnuts. Yeah. They're actually thrilled because they make a huge mess. Um, <laughs> uh, if you don't, uh, <laughs> um, in their yards, but it, uh, yeah, so you basically split them in half, soak them in, uh, in, in a neutral spirit, um, and it turns it jet black. And then, uh, from there, it turns you add, the spirit jet black. It turns the spirit jet black um, and has a beautiful walnut flavor. Uh, and then you add sugar or honey or maple syrup. And then uh, you can flavor it with uh, some spices, an orange peel or espresso. Um, and it's sort of a, 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 a digestif, if you will, uh, for kind of after dinner. Oh, um, we've made this spirit and or liqueur. And then uh, we're pouring it over a homemade ice cream with like a twill. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's actually on our restaurant Instagram. Dang. Can you, um, is there any way you can FedEx like a sample down here? Um, <laughs> I probably could. We might have to label it vinegar or something. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's other silly laws when it comes to alcohol. But, oh, um, man. If, uh, how about an SCI? I'll bring you some. How's that? Bring me a little bottle at SCI. I'll see who yeah. I can bring up. Uh, let me see who I can in, uh, introduce you to this year. Last year, I introduced you to Jack Carr. I was like, hey, you need to introduce me. Awesome. 
I need you to meet this guy. Uh, yeah, so Jack Carr uh, posted my cookbook uh, when it first came out as part of his gear review. Uh, and I, I didn't know who he was. I just got this notification, you know, Jack Carr, blah, 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 and I clicked on him. I was like, oh, this is this is super cool. So, uh, yeah, I was very appreciative uh, of him to do that. And, uh, yeah, it was great to meet him in person. So thank you. No, you're welcome. You're welcome. I love I, – it's one of the perks of what I do is I get to interact with so many people. And it's like, yeah. oh, you're a cool person. You're a cool person. You two need to meet yeah. and have yeah. at it. See you later. Yeah. <laughs> well, dude, I'm still, I'm, you know, I know we've spoken about this for three, probably three years now, three and a half years. I'm, we're definitely going to come up to Toronto. I want to do a whole piece in the awesome. restaurant, in the, like, the whole, like, foraging piece. I think it would be just, yeah. fits with who we are as uh, the origins. I think spring would be good because it's turkey season and then morel season, wild leeks. There's all kinds of things we could do in the spring. All right, we'll find a we'll find a three day block or something in there and, and get it done. It'll be awesome. I need to bring my cameraman the next time. I need to bring a cameraman the next time that doesn't have a little misdemeanor in his background <laughs> because we got detained. Oh no! In ca- in going into Victoria. Really. Uh, <laughs> for two and a half hours we got separated both got interrogated i was like what is going on granted when we first walked up to the customs official yeah. me in a south african accent and a guy that has a ponytail with like sleeve tattoos the guy was like oh these guys will give a, a little a little circle in the corner you need to go over there <laughs> Second, secondary shit man anyway mike pleasure buddy thank you so much and uh that was awesome Good to, good to chat with you. Thank you for uh, shining some light on our issues right now. No worries. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.